who gives a shit? Let's <laughs> let it rip. I knew single whip. A lot of sake bomb sushi. High paid bouncers. Yeah, exactly. What the hell is going on, man? What is an NFL quarterback room like? So two years ago, I trained Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. That was my draft class. I think that this league is filled with opportunities and the guys that, that stay in the league for a long time are the guys that take advantage of those opportunities. I'm just a big believer in repetition. I'm a big routine guy and goals never end. I'm just a big, 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 Welcome to The Room, episode 22. Every week when we say this, I go, damn, we've done this many. So there you go again, 22 episodes. If you are tuning in for the first time, this is The Room. Kyle Allen, current quarterback for the Houston Texans, just finished up yesterday or first two day days off ago. Season. First day offseason. Yeah. Episode's still coming out. There is no offseason, Kyle. Mm-hmm. What would you do today to get better? There's a huge offseason. I actually did Pilates today, so... Joke's on you. That's that's more indicative of who you're engaged to than your pursuit of excellence. But okay, that's fine. Right. You still did it. That's fine. This is the room. So the most important room in any building is a quarterback room. Like if you got that room dialed in, you got a chance to make a run. If that room's not dialed in, you might have a new head coach. And so everything in between, what we want to do is really bring this. There's a lot of people doing podcasts and shows and talking about football from different perspectives. This is a perspective everybody cares about. Kyle, current quarterback in the NFL right now, just finished year five. I played for a long time in the league. Now I'm coaching a lot of the best young players in college and pro. And, and so one way or another, I'm connected to all 32 teams. So the, the, uh, the perspective is unique, I would say. If you have not tuned in, if you haven't already to this channel, those are going up. I don't know where we're at right now. Maybe you know, Kyle. I think we're at like 7,500 right now. Nice. Doing good. Just started, just started a couple months ago and turn notifications on. Like it, share it. Today, we got an awesome guest. This is our first time having an old lineman in the QB room, but it's not any old lineman. This isn't some guy who plays guard for some team. It's Andrew Whitworth, former teammate of mine. I don't believe you know him, right? Don't know him at all. Not a one bit. Awesome. Watched him him a ton though, man. I mean, a 16-year career. He was obviously a huge part of that team in LA winning that championship and all your times in in Cincy with him. So, I mean, one, one of the best tackles to ever play. Yeah, my first four years in the league was with him. He was a young guy too. We're the same age, or he's a little older than me. But we, you know, we were both young guys in the league. He was playing guard at the time. He was single. Now he's married with four kids. I'm married with three kids. So a lot of growing up in that. And just watched him over the years just turn into one of the pillars and kind of landmarks of professional football. I think in 30 years from now he'll be relevant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Wins a Super Bowl, wins NFL Walter Payton Award for Man of the Year, which is not a small thing, right? I think fans think that's cool. Players are like, damn, that's crazy. It's unbelievable. So, Such a high um, honor. And to be not only they pick one for each team. I know the fans probably know this, but they pick one from each team. And then they pick one out of that group for the entire league. So the entire NFL, the peak of, of athleticism. And then you were the, the best man out of them all. It's the unbelievable yeah. honor. Yeah. What you don't do is like write in a check for 300 grand through a charity and then become man of the year. It's yeah. like what you do. Yeah. Right. So a lot of checks getting written, but a lot of work being done. So mm-hmm. anyways, we're going to dive into things from him. He's, he's played with uh, my brother, Carson Palmer, some highs and some lows. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's with him on Amazon. That's the other thing. He's, we, we think that Amazon, we both talk about this all the time, the Amazon Thursday Night Football is the best pre- and post-game show. It's not close in my mind. Right? Now, part of it's the newness, but it's the, it's the charisma that all these guys have. And so Witt's a part of that. Richard Sherman, Tony Gonzalez, Carissa Thompson, and Fitzy. And so, and it's, you know, Herb Street calling it too. So that's the best. So we're going we're gonna to talk through a little bit of, of that and his role there. We're going to talk through some highs and lows from his career. And this is going to be a great conversation. He played with my brother. He played with Fitzy. He played with Jared Goff. And then he played with Matthew Stafford. So a lot of perspective on the quarterback yeah. position, let alone all the people who were backups in that room. And so i fascinated to learn from one of the great minds that I was ever around to better understand kind of his the quarterback position through his lens. Yeah, I think you're going to be interested how how intertwined the two rooms really are and how just the more we talk about people like we had christian on the show and now we're gonna have an old lineman on the show the more you talk to people in other rooms it's interesting to hear how much the quarterback room affects their room and their life and the people and i remember some co- i forgot what coach told me this but it was recently a coach told me this and it's a lot of weight on your shoulders as a quarterback but they say that you hold the hopes and dreams of everyone in this entire building in your hands like that is the amount of responsibility you have at quarterback and so It'd be interesting to hear from his perspective how all those quarterbacks and even being around you shaped his career. It's awesome, man. Well, 
Let's get into it. So we start off a little throw it deep, check down. As always, let's get into throw it deep, check it down. If you're new here, throw it deeper, check it down. We're going to give around some, some news headlines, some takes around the league. If we're into it, if we agree, throwing it deep. If we hate it, checking it down. So we're going to start with the first one. Sunday night game this week. I don't know if you caught this. Packers-Lions, kind of an ugly game all around. Jared Goff was wearing two gloves. He was cold out there. He was slinging it, though. Lions end up winning 20 to 16. Aaron Rodgers throws a kind of crazy, kind of unlike him pick at the end of the game, kind of throwing up a fade to Christian Watson and the free safety picks off. Whenever you throw a fade and the free safety picks it off, I had one of those this year. It's one of the worst feelings ever. That's totally your fault. But the take here is Aaron Rodgers. We just saw Aaron Rodgers last game in a Packers uniform. You throwing a deep check it now. I'm throwing a deep. Mm. I think he's done there. I think there's too many suitors. Done there. Interesting. I think he's done there. I think he goes somewhere else. This is not based off inside information. You and I are connected here somehow. But I would doubt that he's made a decision yet. But I I just feel like he's got to be thinking, what does this look like elsewhere? Just like Brady, right? We can no one could ever picture mm-hmm. Brady in a different uniform until yeah. he went to a different uniform. And then we can picture him in the uniform, right? And I just I look at him and I go, Are they a wideout away? Are they a guard away? Are they a another pass rusher away? Or in his mind, are they a philosophy away? Mm-hmm. And he's got he's gotten a new head coach. He's gotten a couple of different coordinators. I know you know Nathaniel Hackle got fired. He's going to be a candidate to go back there, yeah. right? Now, if Nathaniel Hackett goes back to Green Bay, that might that might change things. <laughs> I agree. But I just think he's got to be thinking, what does this look like in a Niner, Raider? Mm-hmm. If if Brady goes somewhere, Tampa, uniform, and I don't know. I, I One thing that he's always done a great job and his agent have done a great job of is using leverage to get, the, get it the way that they want. He's a savvy 40-year-old or whatever he is now. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to throw it deep. I think we saw him in a pack uniform for the last time throwing a pick to the cover two safety. Mm. What about you? You know, what's interesting is as you were saying that right before you said, we never thought we'd see Tom Brady in another uniform, right? I'm I'm reading this take and I'm like, I can't like Aaron Rodgers is never going to play another uniform. He's, he's a Packer. He's Packer for life. And then you think about Tom, like a dynasty Patriots, like you're never going to see him in another uniform. And how about Brett Favre? Brett Favre. Yeah. I mean, that's like more your time. I really caught him at the end of it. So I only seen him in the new uniforms. Right. But it doesn't seem real until, you know, it happens. And then after a week, you're like, yeah, I mean, he looks pretty good in the Bucks uniform. You know, it looks normal. I don't know. So I'm going to throw it deep as well. And we were having a conversation. We were watching the game live, me and Summer, my fiance. And she looks at me right after her and she was like, do you think that's it? Like, do you think he's, he's going to retire? Do you think he's going to be gone? I was like, no, like he's coming back. Like, there's no way he's going to go out of Green Bay after a loss to the Lions to get into the playoffs like that, right? And then you hear him talk to the receiver from the Lions, their rookie receiver, and he asked for his jersey, and Aaron goes, no, this one's special. I got to keep this one. And then it's him and Randall Cobb walking off the field. Now, it could be Cobb's last year. That's why they're walking off the field like that. But they're walking off the field, arms linked, slowly taking everything in. And I don't know if you saw it, but the camera tried to get in front of him. He grabbed the camera and just threw it behind him. He's like, get the fuck out of here, man. Trying to have a moment here. (laughs) So I think all those factors, my initial reaction on the field was no, I think he's coming back, but all those factors and everything, I just, I think he leaves, man. I'm throwing it deep. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Throw it deep or check it down. Niners in the playoffs. Jimmy G comes back. He's healthy. Do they go with Jimmy G? Or do they roll with Brock Purdy? Unfortunately, this is an easy one. I'm checking it down. And everyone that knows me knows that I love Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G is very underrated. But the way the offense has been playing with Brock Purdy is just, it's almost another level. And it's not, it doesn't mean he's better than Jimmy. It doesn't mean, like, sometimes a fit is a fit. And I think I watched one of his press conferences recently about him talking about the difference between how he had to play in college and how he had to play in the NFL, right? And he said in college, you know, I just felt like I had to try and make some stuff happen sometimes. You know, I had to make some stuff up to make it work, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm here in the 49ers. I got all these playmakers. I got Kyle Shanahan calling the offense for me. All I got to do is go through my reads the way he tells me to go through them. And if no one's there, I got to check it down to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, right? And so he's in just such this great mindset of like play within the system do what, do what is asked for, things will happen. And I think the older you grow in the league, the more you just innately 
play outside of the system because you know you're like i'm a savvy vet like i know how to move this guy to throw it here or you know i think this is going to happen versus coverage or i need to take this alert and the simplicity of being a rookie and just having so much stuff flying past you that the only way you can have success is if you stay inside the system is working so well for him so you gotta stay with brock regardless number one in many categories across the league since he's been playing yeah, I'm checking it down too. I'm going with Brock. I think Jimmy G's the pick. If you're going to bring in a new free agent guy to come and turn your program around, you had to choose between those two. You pick from a savvy vet who's been around and seen it and done it and more mature and all that stuff. To play for the San Francisco 49ers right now, it's Brock and it's not close. And it's it's statistically, you know, like you said, he's number one in this. He's number one in this. Number this since he started. But I look at it and I go, all right, getting ready for the NFL. What is I think what Brock has become, and, and it's kind of what you just alluded to, he's become a role player. Mm-hmm. Typically, the quarterback's not the role player. The guard is, right? The third receiver's the role player. The nickel on defense is the role player, mm-hmm. right? We just needed you to do your job so our playmakers can make plays around you. In that offense, because of all those pieces around him in the huddle, look around that huddle. There's some horses in that huddle at each position, right? And then with Kyle dialing things up, like he's the role player. And I don't know. There's a lot of NBA championships won by guys who had, you know, four steals, nine rebounds, 11 assists, and 12 points. Like, uh-huh. they were a role player, right? You think of, like, who's the Draymond Green, you know what I mean? And, like, that's kind of that role, I think. He's a star, and he's famous, and he makes tons of money. But you watch the Golden State Warriors, he's a role player. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? He's not dropping 40 in a night. He's hitting open shots if he needs to, and he's going to create, and he's going to get other people open. And I just think that's what Brock Purdy, just to make it around San Fran, that's what Brock Purdy's become, and it's exactly what they need right now. It's exactly. And so I think it's I think it's fascinating, and it's going to make it even more fascinating if they go to the Super Bowl and win, or go there and lose, or go to the NFC Championship game. This is going to be the most fascinating offseason in football between the free agents that are coming up, possibility of Jimmy G, and oh by the way, they spent the third pick in the draft two years ago mm-hmm. on Trey Lance. This is going to be. Uh, this is going to be a sitcom. Embarrassment of riches. So we're checking it down. We both love Jimmy G. We just love Brock Purdy right now more. Yeah, it's into the role player. I think in that Kyle Shanahan offense, he he's been looking for that. Right? He, they had yeah. that. And they had that in Jimmy for a while, and it's some some offenses like the Buffalo Bills. You know, they need a, a guy out there that's going to make it happen for them. Yeah. Some offenses, if you plug the right role player in, it's going to work great. So I agree fully with that one. All right. Last one on third deeper check down. Shadour Sanders will win the Heisman. Primetime son. No, that's a check down. Mm-hmm. That's a check down. I'm going to start with partially because I've never seen him play and I have no idea how good he is. <laughs> supposedly his stats, I haven't looked up his stats, but supposedly his stats from Jackson State are unbelievable. No, we got him here. Fox Sport, He's Fox Sports' favorite to win the Heisman for 2023. Okay, here we go. He had 3,700 passing yards, 70.6%, 40 touchdowns against six picks, 173 rushing yards, and six touchdowns. So Caleb Williams had 4,566 five rushing touchdowns. Bo Nix had 3,500 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, seven picks. So like, Damn, Caleb Williams had 4,500 yards passing. That's unbelievable this year. But what I'm saying is like, <sighs> but that's Colorado. They got to rebuild, and they're not going to yeah. rebuild the same way that SC rebuilt. You know what I mean? Like that mini portal, it's not LA. Yeah, you, not you're going to need some years. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> I said this at the Elite 11, and I'd never said it before that I said Caleb Williams is the best quarterback at this age I've ever seen. And I've kind of seen everybody at that age for the last 15 years, 20 years. I the, So it's not that Caleb's like the right fit in the right system and it really worked out. They're really able to figure out. No, I think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback I've ever seen coming out of high school. And so I have not been around Shadir. I've seen his highlights. Dude, it looks like he's awesome. And I can't wait for Colorado to be good. When I was in high school, Colorado was good. In fact, my brother was the number one recruit in the country, and he had had offers from everywhere, and he narrowed it down to USC and Colorado. How crazy is that? (laughs) Number one pick and recruit in the country, picking between SC and Colorado. So it was crazy. Rick Neuhausel was a coach back then. So I want to see Colorado be good again, and I I hope they turn it around. But win the Heisman, that's a big jump from the level that he was at to the Pac-12, and I think he's going to have a really successful year. I hope he balls out. But it's Caleb's Heisman to lose. They're just going to be better next year. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. You? I got to agree. I mean, the headline Fox Sports 
put him as the favorite to win the Heisman. Obviously, it's it's headline grabbing. And guess what? We're talking about it. So I'm checking it down though. Great stats, Jackson State. Now, kind of similar conversation to Brock Purdy. You know, he's gonna he has to go play Pac-12 teams, but he's gonna have a lot better players around him too. I'm really interested to, interested to see how many of the Jackson State guys come to Colorado and get starting positions. I know the first press conference, he goes, I, he goes, I'm bringing my boys with me. So we all better get out of here. If you're, if you're worried about it, hit the transfer portal. Like we don't need you. You know, it's kind of a yeah. slap in the face right when you get there, but he means business, man. He knows how to win. So. Yeah. I can't wait to watch Colorado. It's awesome. Yeah. I think it's going to be crazy. That's just, that team is so used to get, getting their ass beat forever. Cause that's the thing is SC has been bad for the last few years. And a lot of people like me who are around the program would say like the last few years, they've been soft. It's a soft program. Like they're going to get thrown around, but they get thrown around by Utah. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're going to get thrown around by these big schools. Right. Even with Sam, Sam's, you know, last year, right. They were really good and all that stuff. And then they go to play Ohio state and it's like not even close. Not even close yeah. Like just getting thrown around. Right. You got soccer nine times. Right. So they've been soft, but they weren't getting their asses beat by 50. You know what I mean? Colorado has been getting their asses beat by 50. Like, you know what I mean? It, like you got guys at Oregon State going like, "Hell yeah, we got Colorado this week. I'm about to put four hundred. So like, that's a big shift yeah. from like bad team to make it good. People have done that before. Doormat not been good for twenty years. Ah, that that takes more than an off season. You got to you need a little bit more than the portal for that. So I think it's going to be over the next year or two or three we're going to see Colorado emerge. And for the sake of branding, and I love talking football and quarterback. I hope Shadur Sanders is the next like guy. You know what I mean? I would love for Deion Sanders' yeah. kid to come and be super legit at quarterback. How marketable is that guy going to be? I, I hope he's a superstar. I'd love to work with him. I'm just fascinated by it, and I've always loved Prime. So, All right, let's throw it deeper, check it down. Let's get into this interview. So we're fired up to have on, I mentioned in the open, you know, former teammate of mine, one of the all-time great dudes in this league, just happens to also be one of the all-time great players at his position. I don't want to have him talk about it and ask about it and all that stuff, but like, in my opinion, this is the, he'll be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, ending it the way he did, playing as long as he did, as many Pro Bowls, as few a games as he missed. Andrew Whitworth, one of the all-time great left tackles, one of the all-time great dudes, fired up. Let's jump into this interview. This is episode 22 of The Room. We have our first ever non-quarterback. Well, we had Christian Kirk on. I forgot about that. We had a receiver. But this is our first ever offensive lineman, Andrew Whitworth. Thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I appreciate it, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm good. I, you know, be, represent the big fellows. I'm always happy to do that. You got, we got to have someone on there. I mean, the O-line and the quarterback room, like, basically are essentially the same room. But, uh, but yeah, you and me have never met before. I was just telling you before how I creepily saw you in Tahoe and was just staring at how tall you were there. But you and Jordan, you got known each other for a while. Oh, yeah. We go way back. Way back. to the Back to the, the nasty natty. Yeah, probably what, 08? I think 08 yeah. was my first 08. year there. Were you? Yeah. I don't know if you were even playing tackle yet. You might have still been a guard. No, 07, 08, I was, I was at guard. And then uh, 06, I played tackle because Levi went down. But then 07, 08, when he was back. And then 09 is when I went to left tackle and stayed. Yeah, crazy. Second round pick out of LSU, guard, ends up being one of the best tackles ever. Got to play, I mean, being a guard with Willie Anderson and Levi Jones, who, Willie, is he in the pro, is he in the Hall of Fame, Willie? He's a finalist this year. Oh, that's right. I had somebody asked me to put my vote or whatever, you know, the, the surveys or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I saw him on there. Levi, I don't know if he'll get on the list, but he was damn good and made a lot of money <laughs> to Pro Bowls. So. And then Paul Alexander, one of the all-time great O-line coaches. So, yeah, yeah no we doubt. go way back. A lot of sake bomb sushi. Yep. Always back a in, fave. Yep. I, I knew everyone knows Big Wit, the family man. I knew I knew Single Wit hanging out yeah, third wheel it. with Dottie and I watching Monday <laughs> Night right. Football. That's yeah. right. Kicking it. Fitz, Fitz um, and I always talk about the will of my life. It's it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I said, uh, I love that Big Wits never changed. And he goes, this was recently via text. And he goes, well, his appetite for the finer things has changed a little bit. Yeah, but just, nothing else has changed. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm not as much a sake guy anymore. I'm, I'm spoiled rotten now. I'm drinking like red burgundy now and stuff oh, like God. that. You know, no I'm, more sake bombs. Whatever yeah. your sommelier suggests for the next month. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, whatever <laughs> bottle needs to get turned in your an underground cellar. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, very cool, man. Thanks for joining us. I think you have a unique perspective on the position. One, any offensive lineman who plays as long as you did is going to have a unique perspective, but you were always, you know, an extension of the QB room. In my time with you, and I'm sure it was like that in Los Angeles too, an extension of the coaching staff and really the head coaching staff. I mean, you were the O-lineman or the, the teammate that 
you know, the head coach comes and says, Whip, come here, what do you think about this, right? And they just don't do that with good players. They do that with people who are centerpieces of the locker room. And from playing with my brother to the transition of my brother leaving and then Andy Dalton coming in, having to groom this young guy, going to five straight playoffs. And then, you know, the young Jared Goff and then the transition to Matthew. Mm. So a lot of, you know, savvy old Wiley vet and then a lot of young guy, you know what I mean? And then I know you play a role. I know you've talked to Joe Burrow and you talk to these guys and help them. And, and uh, so a well of knowledge. So to start this thing off, we're going to play a little game, all right? I'm in. All right. So you've been around all these quarterbacks, okay? Well, I'm not going to sit here and go, who's the best player, right? But I am going to ask you some questions, okay? So best Q- – and you've been to Pro Bowls too. So I, I'm going to go ahead. I don't know if I'm breaking the rules here, but you've been around some guys Pro Bowl week. And I know you're not trying to win, you know, win a championship that week, but you've been around a lot of guys. Best QB in the huddle. Oh, man. Best QB in the huddle. You know, I'm probably partial on this one just because, you know, you win a Super Bowl. But I'll actually always appreciate staffs just who gives a shit, let's (laughs) let it rip. Like, he just, like, he'd look at you, make a play call, and, like, give you a wink, like, this one's going to be good. Like he just knew, like, I like this one. And just something about that demeanor when you're in the huddle as a guy, you're just like, man, I love this freaking dude. And I always thought it was interesting too. I literally have, have playing with him for one solid year. Obviously there's ups and downs of the season. I, I can't think of one time I ever heard him have an expression. Like when he got hit, sacked, a play didn't go well. Like he just, he, that just was never his style. He was always just so locked in and never wanted it to be anybody's fault but his own I mean, he just he was just a dude in the huddle he really was it was it was always cool to see his demeanor all right shift from the huddle to the locker room best QB in the locker room oh it's cp for sure so i mean carson's always been that i mean he's he's always used to say like i literally learned how to be a leader from carson Palmer. I, mean, I learned how to play left tackle from levi jones and willie anderson i learned leadership and and the charisma and really what it took to get to know your teammates and have special bonds from, from Carson Palmer. I mean, he's one of the rarest guys I've ever been around when it came to that. And that's why for me, like when he left, it was like heartbreaking for me because I was like, man, this is literally the dude like I look up to and want to be like when I'm a veteran myself one day. And I've just always thought he was so special at that. Yeah. That'd be my answer too. crunch time. Gotta have it, man. Gotta have it. Oh, it's almost going to be staff again, man. Yeah, I was about to say, can you have a better four-game stretch than he did in the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, talking about got to have it moments. It's pretty freaking rare. He he was really special. And at the same time, I can remember in 09, shoot, we were not very good on offense. We were really good on defense. And I don't know how many two-minute drives CP had to manage. Seven. Insane. Like, you literally just felt like, all right, guys, just get it down to two minutes. And if we got a chance, we can win this game. I felt like that every time. So I think in that in that year, to me, he was that guy. But in the biggest moment ever, I mean, obviously Stafford pretty much lived it. Yeah, that that that, that no looker, like little like just squeeze the thought, two or whatever. The so, thought I to mean, even do it is just yeah, unbelievable in the moment. It was bananas. Yeah. I watched that play a hundred times. Best QB when it came to Christmas gifts. Oh man, that's a tough battle. I mean, I, Carson was pretty special. I still to this day. Only wear Breitling watches. If I'm ever going to get a watch, mm. I only get a Breitling because CP bought bought me my first ever Breitling watch. I still have it. He was pretty special, but I will say, and I don't know if this counts. This might be breaking the rules. Jared Goff and Todd Gurley joined up when we were in, in L.A. two years and got us gifts together, and that was pretty sick, too. They got us some off-road fees and stuff, and, and so uh, that was a pretty sick gift as well, but Right up there would be Carson's segue, although Bobby Williams almost died in the locker room was, on it. I was just <laughs> going to say, one of my all-time favorite moments, boss man, big boss, boss man, big boss man, Bobby Williams, almost died on the segue. Like, yes. put his foot on it. It went 25 miles an hour that way. He's 6'3", <laughs> 360, and I'm not exaggerating, right? 6'3", 6'3", no. 360? He would argue he's 6'4", but he's definitely 6'2 and a half or 6'3". And he's 360. Easy. And it's all muscle. He looks like he's 500 pounds overweight. Nope. It is rock yes. hard, solid muscle gut. And, 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 the, and the guy's never not smiled in his life. And he, I mean, he almost died. It's <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> so, Hey guys, here's your segues. Oh my God, Bobby's dead. Uh, literally unbelievable. Uh, all right. Last one. If you're just going to sit down around a fire pit, have some gumbo and a beer. Ooh. 
You know what I really think is interesting in my career? We can take Andy's name out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like three categories that he doesn't want to do in that. But, you know, I, I would say in my career, it's funny that you, you know, when you put it in that timeline, I thought about it. I went from CP, like this ultimate vet, just you know, literally like a dude who almost was like a vet the second he came in the league. I think of Stafford that same way. But it's like come in with him, go to a really young quarterback, go to another really young quarterback, and then end it with another guy like CP. So I think to me, Stafford and Carson would be those two kind of guys. I mean, that, that's who they are. Jared would be more like a headset and like we're going to try and see who gets the most kills on a video game. There we go. That's a little more golf style. But, uh, you know, and, and Andy, man, Andy's a good date night guy. He loves going to date night with JJ. You know, that's, that's a good date night guy. So that, that's kind of the categories I'd put him in. That's fair. Yeah, That's you're fair. probably always seeing Jared out there if you're heading, heading down to Bungalow in Santa Monica. It's That's about it. the only place you're going to see him out there. He's either on a headset talking to his buddies on a video game or going down to Bungalow and getting a table, you know. So he's uh, he's fun. No, he, he's, I've gotten him out on the golf course now. He's, he's a golfer now, so he's, he's rolling. What a game by him last week, man. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. What a year. I mean, it just it's awesome, man, when you see stuff like that, man. Like, you, you face adversity. I don't care what sport it is. We're all going to face it at some point. To see him have the situation that happens with the Rams, he doesn't put his head down and say, hey, I'm going to take the money and just exist. He reapplies himself, works as hard as he can, and here he is in a moment having something like that happen. And the trajectory of that team, man, is special. So I couldn't be more happy for him. That's the first thing I text him. Just, dude, I happy for you, man. That's it. You know what's crazy is there, there's a comp for this. Blake Griffin was the number one pick by the Los Angeles Clippers and was – and had a lot of success. They didn't, you know, I would say like off, like now Jared went to a Super Bowl and they never went to the final, but he was the face of the league. He was all yep. these things. And when they were done with him, they traded his ass to the Detroit Pistons. And have you heard that name since? Yep. You know what I mean? And Goff in one year with a bunch of young guys and Amon Ross St. Brown, who I'm big on, but like young yeah. guy. And then the back that Green Bay didn't want. And, you know, it's all these coach, all these former players or coaches. His quarterback coach is Mark Brunel. Yep. No experience coaching in the NFL, right? And all these, th and then just like, just rattle off like boy, went like seven and one in the last eight games or something like that. I love it, man. I think it's great for him, and I think this will be the, the you know the proudest moment of his career amidst, yep. amongst a lot of things. So a big Jared fan. Well, let's move on to you, Wit. So we were talking before about your last game in LA last year. This year, you were coming back through all this media stuff, and people were saying Bengals were giving you a call when they had tackle problems. You know, probably a, a couple other teams were giving you a call. I'm sure uh, Sean was calling you during the year, too, a lot. Did you ever have any inkling of coming back this year at all, or are you just chilling right now? I mean, there's moments where I felt like, man, I think I could do this still. I think I think I could go out there. But, it, you know, every time I, you know, got up from a chair <laughs> or moved around a little bit, I was like, you know what, there's no chance. I, I really I really think I still have the heart and the mind to do it. I just, body-wise, I think I gave it all I had for 16 years, and it just wouldn't be worth what I'd have to go through or risk to do it at this point. I mean, I've accomplished a lot of things that I set out to do, and, and I'm pretty content in that. And, and even when I retired, I, I felt like I could go another year. But I really set, you know, I had probably my toughest adversity in my career in 2012 and 13 when I had a bad patella issue with my patella tendon. And, you know, I kind of somewhat lost most of the muscles in my left quad and hmm. ended up having patella surgery. And I said, man, if I get through this, I'm going to try to play till I'm, I'm 40. Like, that's going to be my goal. Like, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And I had really changed my body over my career. And so, I mean, to get there, I felt like I'd accomplished it. And then I got the greatest send off ever. And it was like, man, that's it. Like, I'll just talk about the game now yeah. and enjoy other people playing. Was there yeah. any years where you skipped OTAs or like came in late to training camp? I know some guys in their older age will do it just to get the reps off of them. Was there any years you did that or were you all the way through? I mean, Kyle, I didn't ever practice enough to matter, but no, I, you know, honestly, uh, I, no, I never did that. You know what, what's crazy is my wife would tell you every single off season, I was like, I'm not showing up to, like, I'm not going to OTAs. It's pointless for me to go to mm -hmm. these things. And even when I lived in, in Louisiana in the off seasons, I'd still show up to Cincinnati for the, for the off season program. I'd still show up to LA, like, and then we lived out here permanently. So it was like, man, I'm right down the road. I'm going. So I never missed out. I mean, I didn't practice all the time. Like, I, obviously, later in my career, it's just the benefits of practice versus some of the risk mm -hmm. started to be like, hey, man, you got to just make sure you're at your best each and every Sunday. And, and what does that look like? And I actually had a system and, a, and an idea of what I thought got me there. 
And I was able to show coaches and prove it over time. And so it wasn't like I just didn't practice. I had a regimen of, of workouts and training that I would go through in that day. And so I thought it was useful and, and it's helped, you know, obviously the Rams to this day still do it with a lot of their veterans and have kind of found their own program. This time of year, I got draft guys in town. So I, it's helping guys with the entry point into the league. But then fast forward, those guys become vets. And so the conversation shifts from what is nickel Mike 33 fire zone and what is the difference between an over and an under front shifts from that to how do I do this for a long time? You know, I got some guys on second contracts now that you start thinking about how do you get to a third contract, right? So longevity means different things for different positions, but 16 years, multiple contracts, two different teams, all this stuff. What was the, what was the key for you? from a longevity standpoint? You know, as much as the mad scientist Paul Alexander sometimes would annoy the fire out of me, he was really a great teacher, man, and somebody that influenced me a lot. And I can remember as a young player, he told me once that the, the key to longevity in the NFL was like, be a tree, you either grow or die. And I just, it never like left my mind, like that mindset. And so I think of like you said, in my early in my career, you know, Fitz and I, Brian Fitzpatrick and I joke about this all the time. I was six seven, probably 360, 370 hmm. early Gosh. in my career. I mean, I was big. And every year of my career, I tried to shed a few pounds. And, and by the end of my career, I'm playing at 310, 315. Wow. And it was because I watched Jonathan Ogden, Willie Anderson, you know, Orlando Pace, these guys that I looked up to and thought were insane football players. But I watched what I thought, man, they, they all ended at 32, 33, 34. And I felt like, man, they could have played so much longer, but they let their bodies go and they really didn't hone in like what they could have and taking care of themselves. And so I had a plan from a very young age of like, I'm going to get myself down every year. And I think it's really that ability to say every single offseason, even when I was 39 years old, I would start the offseason like, hey, all right, what are the things I did good this year? What are the things I didn't do as good? How do I attack the weaknesses I have right now? Like, I want to be the one that exposes them before somebody else does. And so I always had an offseason plan to attack those weaknesses and find them. Because the biggest thing I see a lot of young, I don't care if it's quarterback or any position, fail at is maybe they have a big arm or maybe they're really athletic or as a lineman, they have quick feet or a defensive tackle. And they only work at what they're good at. And they only like, man, I love running through bags because I have quick feet. Or I love lifting because I'm strong. And it's like, dude, work on your athleticism. Work on your speed. Mm -hmm. Work on the things that you're not good at. Because the real elite guys, everyone has a special trait that exists in the league. But the real elite guys have their special trait up here. And they find ways to bring everything else somewhere closer. And, and the really good ones get it real close. And, and it's to where all their things that are negative – and that anybody would hate on them about, they just continually bring up throughout their career and their special trait always exists. And so I think to me, that's how I always thought of it. And, and that was my mindset to attack every off season. Steph, you, gotta, you gotta, it's a mental for you, man. You gotta get over that about yourself. It's almost an ego thing. You gotta push past that to start working on your deficiencies. It's kind of yeah, crazy. I thought about it. Yeah. I thought ahead. about the other day, not to cut you off, but like I literally I was sitting there, you know, talking to some of the you know our crew about football and I was like, man, you know what's wild is in my mind, I still have burned and etched, even to this day, like my NFL draft bio that was like <laughs> most likely gonna move into guard, probably could be a right tackle starter, but you know, like left tackle left tackle's not an option. And like in my mind, I read that at some point, and I still have the image in my head. And that's literally what I attacked every day of my career. Even to this point, I still get I get mad just thinking about it right now. Right now, I'm agitated. <laughs> He's sweating over there. You gotta calm down, down a little bit, okay? Let's take two, real quick. Yeah, it's getting awkward. You gotta calm down. So we, this is the room. We talk about the quarterback room. We talk about quarterbacks like this is a room. You've been in a lot of those, but not as many as you have O line rooms. What's the difference in your mind? What's the difference between the O line room? I mean, I know there's more snacks in there. Way I know there's more snacks. candy. Better snacks. Way better snacks. I know it smells different, but like besides those, what is the key differences between the quintessential O line room and the quintessential QB room, in your opinion? You know, I think sometimes in the O line room, you know, there's really things that are important for us to do that may be different than some rooms. And that is, I think, support of one another. Obviously, in a quarterback room, you got your your starter, you got backups, you got your third string, you got guys all throughout the room, and you're kind of there to help each other break down tape, to help each other see things through the same lens and maybe different lens, you know, and say, all right, well, I kind of see why you worked this side or you didn't and why you made this throw or I see this in this defense. I think in the O line room, it's a lot more probably support in the sense of hey man like this is a, a just a non-thankful job man and like look 
you're working your butt off. Like I'm gonna love on you. We're gonna all, you know, drink a beer together. We're all gonna have some coffee together. We get some donuts in here and shove them in our mouths just to like be like a family who's going through adversity. And we just need to love on each other and create this atmosphere where, man, we're bonded arm in arm, and we're about to go out there and get hit in the face. And people might thank us, they might not, but that's our job. And so it's just convincing each other that we're all going to go out there synchronized. We're going to go to war and we're going to let it go for everybody in this building. And I think just that bonding in that room, when you can create that, it's special. And you can see guys play better than they really are because they trust the guy standing beside of them because they, they believe in the group. And I think to me, that's always what was the most important thing is the ability to get the guys around you to play for one another and in synchronization with each other and that bond of, of like, we're, we're not necessarily going to get credit for this, but you better believe we're going to have something to do with whether we're successful. And I think it's just more of a five-man mentality mm-hmm. than it really is, hey, man, how do we get the guy who's playing in this game, maybe in the quarterback room, to be at his best this week? Well, it's a small team, essentially. You're, it's really the only position that's it's a team inside the team itself, right? Like. Yep. You got four D linemen. They're they're going to be running twist games and stunts and whatever, but they can kind of you know do their own thing. If a guard doesn't pass a twist off to the center correctly and pop back for that backer, like the whole line's fucked, right? The quarterback's on his ass. And it's interesting you talk about the the O line just support from like a mental standpoint, just bringing each other up, pushing each other along. It's a thankless job. The O line room in in Houston this year, even though we had a very poor record, didn't play well, whatever. The O line room was probably the closest group of people I've ever been around on a football team before in my life. Like every day, they're playing cards in there after practice from like one to three o'clock. Till we got special teams. Everyone's going home at five. They're still in there playing cards. They're all in the back of the bus together. And when you think about a quarterback room too, right? You're not really like if you have a good hierarchy of like starter, like bonafide starter backup practice squad guy right it's easy to support each other but when you're in a room with kind of undefined guys or maybe a young guy who isn't playing well like the support like as a backup you're going to support but it's it's really a kind of a much weirder environment to be in you know you feel like you're alone in there sometimes yeah there's no doubt and i think it's tough in that room to to make sure i think i always thought my job as a leader was not necessarily like techniques and football is always going to come up and it's always going to be talked about but making sure every guy in that room felt like he belonged and he had a place and you know what, that he's always ready. I'll never forget, you know, Troy Vincent, when I was a rookie at the rookie symposium, I was telling him, man, I don't know why I got drafted by Cincinnati. Like they have Levi Jones, Willie Anderson, Bobby Williams at the time, Richie Bram and Eric Steinbach. And I was like, I'm not going to play anywhere. And he was like, man, you are one snap in that room. Yeah. You know, at O-line play, man, guys get rolled up every day. And it's like, you're one snap away. And sure enough, two games in, you know, the rest is history. I started for the rest of my career. And so, you know, it's unbelievable how fast it happens. But in that room, man, guys better be ready when their moment's called. Yeah, I guess that's the only time that you had to pop in in the middle of a game. But as an old lineman, I'm just thinking about it. I, every time I watch a game on TV, and they show like a slow motion run play. I'm like, how did that guy, how does someone not get rolled up every single play? How is there not some type of ankle or knee injury every single play? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's not I think the I, same I thing with running down. backs. I like, how do you do that? I remember, do you remember, it's, you know, we were texting about this earlier when there was that cold weekend when everything was frozen, you know? Buffalo got snowed yeah. in, they changed it to Detroit. And something about the, the, the Browns game, and I go, hey, you remember that Browns game? Right. It was like the fourth coldest game in NFL history or something. Right. <laughs> so there was like 11 complete completions in the game total, like both teams. And Cleveland played three quarterbacks that day. Fitzy God. was the starter. And said Benson, RIP, went for like 240. And I just remember being so cold sitting next to that vampire thing, whatever the little heater thingy, and going like, how the fuck is he doing? Like getting smoked. And it was just like, he didn't care. They did. He went for 250. And I guess it's crazy. Oh, my God. crazy. And it was like, nobody wanted to tackle. It was too cold. And I just like, I look at O-line play and I look at running backs. And I'm just like, I did this for a long time. I still am connected to the game. I'm like, I don't get how you guys do it. That's crazy. Yeah, running backs blow my mind, man. Those guys take hits that I'm like, I don't think they're going to get up all the time. Or how they get back in there and run it again that way, I have no idea. That's one of those positions to me that – and not only that, like people don't realize when you when that pile falls on you, 
That does not feel good. And those guys are at the bottom of those piles all the time. It's a brutal position, that's for sure. Yeah, especially when you were 6'7", 372. I bet that didn't feel too oh, good. Oh, trust me. I, I fell really heavy. I was, I was an artist in that. Oh, right, I, held, I held great and I fell great. It was that's wonderful. great, yeah. Yeah, someone said there's holding on every play if you look for it, man. Yeah, we're high, paid, high paid bouncers. Yeah, exactly. Are, All right, man, let's talk about Thursday night football. In my opinion, we, I mean, I watch every game. I watch Monday night, it's the best. I watch Thursday night. Yeah, I watch Sunday whenever we're done. Thursday night football, by far the best crew. We, I was just talking with our producer, Jake, about this before, but like the Sunday night crew with, with Garrett and Maria Taylor or Jason Garrett would kind of say that awkward thing. I'm sure you've seen that video, but he would just oh, say yeah. something before half every time. Like, what the hell is going on, man? But you guys had an awesome crew. I mean, you and Fitz up there. Sherm was great up there. Krista Thompson. Everybody, a great crew. But we're trying to figure out the dynamic here, so we're going to play another little game. Just ask you a couple questions about the crew. So the first question is, you guys go out to dinner before the game. I'm sure you guys all go out as a group. Who's picking up the check? Oh man, come on! I'm I'm grabbing that. I, I I'm a you. when it comes to food, I'm a hospitality guy. So okay. I, I'm setting the dinner and I'm going for the t- now. I'll tell you who's actually the hardest with it is Carissa. You know, she doesn't let people pay for things much, so she'll fight you pretty hard. But I I love food, so every city, don't worry, they they'll tell you we're taking care of where we're going. Southern guy, man, I like it. All right, who's walking to the office with the best joke? I think we already know. Oh man, I mean Fitzy's uh, Fitzy's a pretty funny guy. I think Carissa's like right there with him on wit. I mean she's pretty funny. She has some pretty original stuff. But Fitzy's man, he's dude. He's just he's so rare. Like the the little one liner text all the time. You know the moment lines. Like it's like an exact second that somebody would need to say something. He can say it so fast that you're just like that is unbelievable. I mean I don't know if you remember this, but we did the Dolphins Bengals game in Cincinnati. My yep. favorite line ever. Mm-hmm. We're, we're literally about to start the show, and we're doing just pre stuff, like not air, not live. And then he like makes the comment. Carissa Thompson's like reading the prompter. Hey, it's you know white out here in Cincinnati. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and Bengals. And he's like, Whit and I are both white Bengals. And I was like, Oh my god! Like you're not gonna say that on the air. And sure enough, live cut. Boom! He says it again, and I was just like. Did that just happen right <laughs> oh, you guys have already said it before. I didn't know he said it before. Uh, that's so oh, funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, so good. He's so original. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's, that's so great. good. Yeah. All right. I expect that one. When you're doing the, the production meetings and everything before the game, who do the coaches usually like the most? Oh, it's Sherm. I mean, you know, everybody loves to talk to Sherm because you either like the thing about Sherm is you either hated his guts when he played mm-hmm. or you like were a defensive coach that coached him and loved him. Right. So it's like you despise Sherm. Or you love him. And so he every week, it's either a coach being like, dude, I hate your guts. I want to talk to you about why I don't like you so much. Or it's a coach like literally like, hey, man, like you're unbelievable. So it, it's funny to see like he he literally everyone has a comment for him. Now, Fitz, nobody knows more people in the NFL than Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Every week it's a competition, you know, to see how many people are going to show up at the hotel to meet Fitzy. But Sherm is definitely that guy that every coach has something they want to say to him. I have a funny Sherm story, Jordan. My my second year, we were playing the 49ers. It was the first year I was playing. We'd won a bunch of games in a row, and we had I think we had a game. The 49ers were six and zero. We were four and two. And one of my buddies, Dante Pettis, played on the Niners and Sherm was getting to like a little older in his career, you know, he wasn't as fast. And, you know, our game plan was like, all right, we're gonna attack Sherm. Like, we don't think he can turn his hips well anymore, blah, blah. And I was texting my buddy about it randomly. And I was like, yeah, man, I don't know. Sherm just doesn't look the same. And he told him that I told him that before the game. And, of course, I threw a pick right to him, hit him in the chest. And he talked shit to me for, like, the next TV timeout from the time it started until the ref goes, all right, you got 10 seconds. It was Sherm just talking shit 10 yards away from me. And I'm just like, <laughs> I stood there and took it. I was like, yeah, you're right. I hit Jess, man. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it tight to the vest, man. You got to keep those kind of yeah, things tight, I, man. I learned that one the hard way. We're, we're good on that one now. All right, last one. Stranded on an island with somebody. Who are you taking with you? Oh, man. That's a good one. You know, probably – I think, you know, the most connected guy is Tony Gonzalez. He's mm. probably got a buddy that's got a plane or a helicopter <laughs> that will get us out of there. Yeah, you're thinking about your so, ways out. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking of my ways out. I'm going to take Tony with me because he's going to get me out of there. That's for sure. Smart, yeah. But Jordan, we can't let Fitz off the hook because he doesn't like to share this story. And I don't know if y'all talked about it when he was on, but Fitz actually had another claim to fame that season other than the Cole Cleveland game. He was the only offensive player not fined in the Jacksonville Jaguars game for <laughs> me getting right. ejected fighting John <laughs> Henderson. 
We have an offensive meeting the next week. OC gets up there just like, hey, guys, you know, I understand it. We were all having each other's backs. I don't know if you guys know this. There's actually only one guy in this room that didn't get fined. Right. And there's video of Ryan. I'm fighting John Henderson, throwing blows, and Fitzy's running to the sideline as like, <laughs> fast as he can. Because at that time, the league had a rule. If there was a fight and you were within the circle, you got fined. And so oh everyone God. on the field yeah. for Jacksonville and the Bengals got fined, except for one guy out of the 22, and it was Ryan Fitzpatrick for oh, that's, sprinting that's off the field. quintessential rich, cheap, cheap guy. <laughs> that's, that's, so yeah. that's awesome. I remember Harvard you were going off the field. Like, that yep. was like, that's got to be one of your moments, right? The whole place going nuts because you're getting ejected for fighting. And it's just Easy. like, just Easy. loving it. Like, brick, take my helmet. Fuck that thing. Here we go. That, was, that's yep. gotta, that had to be a moment. For sure. That's awesome, man. Fitzy, I mean, she's like, like if you were to take all of his teammates and come up with the top 10 best Fitzy stories, it'd be impossible. Insane. It'd be a yeah. book. Awesome. So Thursday night football is over. You guys are done year one. What, what do you got off season wise? What, what do you, what do you shift to now? I know family and, and you're probably coaching and your kids and you're probably, you know, picking up carpool and all that stuff. But what do you got big picture this off season? Yeah, I think for me, it's finding out really what's next. I mean, you know, obviously I'm going to keep doing this, hopefully, and, and finding more ways I can, you know, either be a part of the game or talk about the game and, you know, and be involved as well. So I think for me, it's obviously the kids' sports and being home, hanging out with Melissa and the kids is a lot of fun, and we enjoy now me getting a part of it. I've gotten to head coach some of the teams and stuff, so that's been fun. But no, big picture, man, it's just uh, figuring out other ways I can keep chasing, you know, being involved in this game. This game changed my life. It changed my kids' life, my wife, and our entire family. And so we want to keep giving back to it. And, and obviously the community, that's something we've always been a part of. So I actually have this week, you know, we're doing something pretty cool. My Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I use the money and, and some others to raise money to, to build a field down in Inglewood at Challengers Boys and Girls Club. So oh, awesome. we're going to break ground on that Thursday night. We're going to announce the field and stuff. So that's going to be really cool. And I, I can't wait for that. So just continue to do stuff like that, man. Just trying to be a part of this thing and, and be a part of people's lives in the best way I can. It's awesome. So Kyle and I play a game. So there's the interview and then there's the rest of the of, of our show. And we play a game called Throw It Deeper, Check It Down. So I'll explain this to you. We saved it for you. We're going to do this with you instead. Okay. We usually do this on our own. So Throw It Deep is like, yeah, I, 100%. I agree. And why? Check yeah. It Down is like, mm, I don't nah, like the I'm gonna, look. I'm going gonna, yeah. gonna to check that down. Okay. Yeah, it's too high. I got it. Okay. So <laughs> there you go. Kill, kill, um, actually. Give me the 92 yeah, duo, please. Kill, kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a number one seed will not win the Super Bowl this year. Throw that deep or check that down. I'm going to go throw it deep. Okay. All right, and the betting favorites in order, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Niners, Bengals. Cool? All right, I got one for you. The Cowboys are going to make it to the NFC Championship. You know what's crazy about them is I think that the opening round of the playoffs is the most important week for them. And I don't know why, but I just feel like that's the big moment for them. And I just think they need momentum. So, I, I you know what? I like it. Let's go. Let's say they upset okay. the Eagles if they get the chance. Oh, wow. And we'll, we'll go with that. Throw it deep. I like that one. I think they got a chance. I think you're right. I think they need they need to put something good out there because six to twenty six against Washington. I'm a big analytics stats guy. At some point, they've got to play good in the playoffs, and it's got to happen. I just believe it's going to happen. I just think it's going to happen at some point. They're going to have their moment. It's got to happen soon. It's got to happen real soon. The Giants have a chance to upset the Vikings. Well, look, anytime you're as good as they are and you're still minus three in points, Unbelievable. Uh, Never you got a chance like to lose a game. You know, I think, man, they're obviously a really good football team, and, and Kev's been around it, man, but, man, that one's tough. I'm going to check it down just because I think Minnesota, you know what, I think they're going to get it together and they're going to find a way to win. I think so, too. It's, I mean, you, you have a minus point differential, but it goes back to kind of our Matt Stafford talk about the two-minute drill, like, as long as you're Eric Carson Palmer, as long as you've got a chance to win it at the end of the game, it seems like that's what they've done it. And that's probably more important than most stats anywhere. Yeah, I think them and them and Cincy scared me just with some of the O-line losses, man, because it matters. And, yeah. and when you get in these games, man, yeah, yeah these playoff games are going to come down to exactly what we said, two-minute. And can, can you play well in that moment? It's going to matter. All right, well, let's talk playoff football. Let's go through all the games real quick, and then we'll get to your two-minute drill. But I want to get just two answers out of you, okay? Who wins the game? And what quarterback are you taking for the next five years over the two quarterbacks? All right. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Yeah. All right. All right. First game, we're going to go in order. First game of the weekend, Seattle Seahawks versus 49ers. 
Who you got winning the game? I got the Niners, and I'm going Purdy. Come yeah. on, baby. You got it's the to. party show. It's a party show. Unbelievable. Number one, number one in pass rating, number one in yards per attempt, number one in touchdowns since he's been starting. It's unbelievable. Next game, Chargers at Jags. Chargers, Jags. You know what? That's a tough one. I got to believe that that Brandon Staley finds a way to get it done. I, mm. I, mainly this is because I don't want to look like an idiot because I picked them to be so good after the offseason. <laughs> and I love Doug Peterson. That's my guy. And yeah. Trevor Lawrence and that crew. That's, it's been fun to watch them turn it around. Mm. But I, I'm going to go Chargers. And you know what? I'm also going to go with Herbert. I think, I think this guy's going to continue to get better and better. I've just like closet become this Charger fan. I mean, I've never cared about him in the past. Yeah, Brandon no. Staley's kids are on my flag team. Oh, wow. So, and I'm the coach. So this whole last season, and then we start our new season this Friday for the, the winter, the, the winter league. And I got both his kids on my team. So it's been, it's been this like, cause then you get to know the family and the wife yep. and the mom and you know what I mean? And it's like, you want them to win for a different reason. You know what yep. I mean? And so Good it's like, people, it just man. shifted to this, like, is Bosa back this week? Like, yeah. is Derwin that game? You know what I mean? I'm like, all of a sudden, I totally give a shit about the Chargers. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's um, so passionate about football, man. He's a, he's a good dude. I hope he does yeah. well. All right, so shifting to Sunday, Dolphins at Bills. Let's just assume Tua's uh, – for the sake of the answer, I think you should take Bills automatically if Tua's not playing. If Tua's playing, Bills or Dolphins? I'm going Bills and, you know, Josh Allen, obviously, just crazy special. So, go. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. the next game that day, Giants at Vikings. This one's a little, this one can go either way, I think. Ooh, man. I, I think this game is literally a toss-up. I just I just think the Vikings will find a way. And, man, that one there over the next five years. Let me throw you an mm. interesting stat real quick. Vikings are the first team ever to have 13 wins and a negative point differential. I it's thought that crazy. was a crazy stat. It is. It's insane. It's, but, you know, I mean, you still got to say – in that game, I just think when it comes down to it, I think Kirk and, and those guys find a way. So, I, you know, over the next five years, I don't know. I think I think Daniel Jones, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I think Kirk's got a really good guy that's calling plays for mm-hmm. him and, and running that team. And so I'm going to go Kirk just because I think he might be in a better situation right now. I like it. Then after that. Yeah, Ravens-Bengals is on Sunday. That's right. Oh, come on. that's That one's an easy one yeah. for me. Uh, Cincinnati and Joey B, baby. It's hard to win two weeks in a row, though, man. I don't know. Might be coming back. My whole career. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Line of the year right there, baby. We, that's what I thought, too, when we played the Jets week 17 and then again in the playoffs. Hey, it's hard to beat somebody twice. They can't beat us twice. <laughs> Sanchez, Sanchez came in and got a dub in Cincy. Yikes. That was bad. Shifting to Monday night, Cowboys Bucks. Oh man, I you know what? I think this is a, a a tough matchup for the Cowboys just because of the guy they're playing and, and a team that I hate playing a team that hasn't been hot all year mm. and it's just like all of a sudden they're going to have their best football man. But I, I'm I just got to believe, like I said, that the Cowboys you know they they rise up in a moment finally and and maybe it's Micah Parsons, maybe it's whoever, but they have some special wired guys. And I think maybe maybe this will be the time. So I'm going to go Cowboys, and and I think Tom's return at some point. So I'm going to go back. You never know. I was thinking about this question. And I was like, I'll still put through, throw a Tom in there. You might never know. He might play five more years. Yeah, I mean, if it was three years, it'd be a little harder decision. But five, I think we're done. How much – what's just the home and away, like, early in the playoffs? I've only been in one playoff game. I was injured for it. But home and away, does how much of a difference does it make from a playoff atmosphere? I know, like, in the regular season, it does make a little difference, but not much. But playoffs, it's got to be amplified. Yeah, I, I don't know if it does. I mean, I think in, in playoff games, you are just literally out of your box. Like, it, you don't care that there's a fan in the stand or not. You are, you know, wired up and wanting to take it. Almost in some ways, when you're the road team, you're so fired up that it's like such a challenge. You might get your best out of you and you don't even know it's coming. So I I think, you know, I think it matters, but not to, not to the extent people probably think it does. I also think like the, the things that make playing on the road difficult, like crowd noise and silent count. This is the end of the season. You already did this eight times. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're you're, really good at it. If you don't have your pre-snap procedures done and a couple of different cadences and silent, like by, by week 20, (laughs) you know what I mean? Then, yeah, you're that's why I think some of these teams that, you know, people are like, hey, you're going to make it through with guys getting hurt up front. That's a lot bigger adjustment than people realize. Mm-hmm. It's like some of these guys, maybe they came in in a home atmosphere and now they're going to play in the playoffs in a road atmosphere. And this is their first game playing in silent count. It's a whole other monster. Yeah. All right, Whit, we're going to wrap this thing up here, man. This is one of my favorite parts of the show is uh, we call this the two-minute drill. So, you know, I've been doing these camps for forever and having these college guys come and – 
you got a college guy around young quarterbacks. It's like, yeah, they can watch them throw and they can give them a little, you know, stay in school and don't do drugs and, you know, and, and work hard. But like, what I think the thing that's been most helpful over time is when people just share their journey and even like, even like the logo for my, my company summit, like that's your yep. career right there. Up, down, yep. up, down, up, down, up, down. Right. You, you had the, you know, second round pick and then played and then pro bowls and the contracts and then super bowl. But like, but it didn't go like that. There's some nope. devastating stuff along the way on the field and off the field, right? We lose people, people get sick. So like that really is the career. So for your journey, right? From the outside looking in, take a snapshot of it. Kind of looks like it probably went like that, right? But maybe just you got two minutes. We're going to throw it on the clock here. You can start this thing wherever you want. It ends whether you want to end it on the on the field and at SoFi or you want to end it right now. But we just kind of share the journeys. This isn't even specific to football. I know you Got a lot more stuff going on than just ball. So yep. we're going to hit mute and throw it to you. And we'd love for you to share your journey. I love it. Let's do it. All right. Well, look, it starts off in 2006 when I leave LSU, a journey in the NFL. And I become a Cincinnati Bengal, fresh off of Carson Palmer being injured in the playoffs and trying to make his comeback. And I can remember a lot of tough times, man. I mean, there was a there was a struggle there. We had a lot of guys that got in some you know, trouble off the field. We lost a teammate in Chris Henry that was so dear to all of us. I can remember those emotional moments. The moment I talked about fighting John Henderson, I'll never forget because I'd actually called the guys up the day before and call, kind of called everybody out that I'd never lost in my career and was never going to start accepting it and we won and I got thrown out of the game and from that moment on I was a captain for the Cincinnati Bengals and then my quarterback Carson Palmer is the leader he was and the effect he had on my career we we end up winning a division in 09 have a rough year in 10 he leaves it kind of breaks my heart because he's the guy I've always looked up to but then in comes Andy Dalton AJ Green these guys and what do you know five years later we've, we've gone to the playoffs five times in a row not found a way to win it and over that same time, I've, I've met my wife, I've gotten married, I've had all four of my awesome kids, two twins, and my son and my daughter. And so, you know, it's uh, just a, a thing where my life's growing in a lot of different ways. And then in 2016, the Cincinnati Bengals tell me that they've had enough and they think my career is over and they don't know if they see me continuing to play. And I can remember feeling like I devoted my whole life there. I just had the best year of my career and made two consecutive Pro Bowls, and I was devastated. And a guy named Sean McVay says he wants me. And uh, I took a leap of a lifetime, moved my entire family, my kids, and everything else. And five years later, after losing a Super Bowl and being devastated and never forget looking at my son as he cried in the stands, when I lost in 2019, I got a chance to be a part of Matthew Stafford becoming a Los Angeles Ram and getting a chance to go and be in a Super Bowl with a lot of people I love. Winning Walter Payton Man of the Year and the Super Bowl all at the same time. With no time on the clock. How about it? Like I Ooh, said, I can't leave time for the other team to kick a field goal. He's like I said, I mean, Listen. I said before we got on here, for, for O linemen, if I had to rank them, the best pure passer of any <laughs> offensive line that I've been around. Lefty had a stroke, could put touch on it, could finish it. You'll probably put it 60, 65, but now we're looking at the game management side of you too. You know what I mean? That clock management. I was always, you know, they got tired of me. Coaches got tired of me. I always got an opinion. And you know, I learned that from TJ Hushmanzada, right? Oh, he's got a a lot of time with Hoosh. (laughs) All the answers, all the answers. Yeah. Except well, for man. that ball that you guys lied about him catching in the charity event. I still got problems oh, with that, but that's okay. Hey, that's we'll, we'll that so alone. fake, right? Highly we'll debated. Alone. And you posted a slow motion shot of it. It was just showed Two everybody. You guys, I got a lot of faith in their integrity to, to fake a charity win. I mean, that's devastating. But anyways, <laughs> hey. you know what? It's okay. It was for the kids, one. Yep. Two, Antoine Kaysen. I don't remember that name. He played DB in the oh, league yeah. for like eight years. He's becoming a ref. And so Antoine was the one. He like looked at some camera replay and then just went, Hey, <laughs> and I love we it. just lost it and erupted. Hey, it was for the ratings. I get it. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. It was great. The best part about that is so, for context here, TJ and I played in a charity for the Chargers charity flag football game. And there was like, I mean, it was pretty sick. I mean, it was, I was the quarterback on one team. Mookie Betts was the quarterback on the other team. The whole time playing free safety, I got Ricky Williams just staring at me the whole time, just covering tons of ground. So it was a who's who thing for those guys. It was super fun. But this is, you'll love this. So at the end of the game, we're down four. We've been going back and forth, back and forth. We're down four. And I throw one across my body right to T.O. And he's on the other team. 
and he drops a pick to end the game. The next play, TJ catches the Hail Mary. Oh, I'm man. like, this is so fitting. I couldn't have hit T.O. better right in the face. Just a perfect interception, and he drops it. I was wearing his ass out in the elevator all the way out of there. It was great. <laughs> no, he, like, he likes it over the shoulder. That's what he wants. He yeah. likes it very particularly. But anyways, dude, thanks so much for joining us. I know there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff going on. One of my all-time favorite teammates, all-time. I kind of grew up with you, man. I don't know. Like, those four years and – in Cincinnati and hanging out, I didn't know what was going on, right? And and, and so I think I look back on that that period as a, as a special time. You and Brian Leonard and the kicker Mike Nugent, all the, like the you know our buddies we were kicking it with, and Cedric Cedric, and like you said, Slim Chris Henry, just so many cool memories and, and times. I can't believe you have 16 years of those types of memories. Yeah, uh, I still want to know: is does Jay Gruden still send you a stipend for installing the entire offense and the lockout? And like, and then, I mean, I just want to know. I mean, you know, I I you know I feel like you should have gotten like a yearly check for all the work you did. I mean, I don't think people understand you literally put in the offense like the offensive head coach, the coordinator head coach for four months. You were putting in the offense and running the show at practices. It was one of the coolest things. I tell people that story all the time. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen is, is the ability you had, man, to do that. It was it was unbelievable. That's why when I knew when you started doing this, you were going to absolutely murder it because that was one of the most special things I've ever seen from a player. Oh, dude, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think – I would have loved to, you know, not get cut. Yeah. <laughs> After you just literally installed yeah. the offense for the offseason. Yeah. Yeah, um, but instead, I set myself up to be able to go, okay, I draw from that experience and I can help these young guys. So, but yep. appreciate that was also a, a good memory. And that was a crazy lesson to learn because I, I was, I the writing was on the wall. I knew this was going to get taken from me so I can do this like some vets do. You know what I mean? And go, I'm not going to help this young guy. You're going to take my job or do it. It was a binary thing. I had to make the choice. And Andy was such a good guy. Had Andy been a dick, I probably would have handled it differently. Yep. <laughs> but he was such a good young guy. So he was, um, man. it worked. It all it all worked out. But I, it was crazy. I watched that year and I was like, so just pumped for, you know what I mean? Seeing you guys, you guys went to, you know, went to the Pro Bowl. He went to the Pro Bowl too as a rookie. He was an alternate, but he ended up in the Pro Bowl and in the playoffs yep. that year. And, and that was a special deal. But with Tom, Melissa and the kids, I said hello. Thank you so much, man. And fired up to see what you do with this, man. You're you're you kind of became one of those guys. Like in 15 years, the guys are gonna they won't remember you because they were too young, but they'll know who you are. And man, thousands of people come through this league, and you're gonna end up being one of the guys that everyone kind of draws to, or an example, or this, or or this guy's having a problem and talk. We're gonna connect him with Wit. He'll help him out. Yeah. So that's an incredible position that you put yourself in that you'll do until you die, which is it's incredible, man. Thousands of people come through this and don't have that impact. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. Well, that's went about the way I thought it would, which was just a bunch of gold, man. I mean, one of the all-time great dudes, one of the all-time great players at his position. And I mean, you're, the list of people who have bad things to say about that guy, I mean, other than a pass rusher who couldn't get by him, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's a short list, man. So that was one of my favorite interviews. That was cool for me, man. I'm the, I mean, one of my favorite parts about doing this is especially with guys that you bring on that you've played in the past, you know, you're whatever, you're 38, I'm 26, you are never cross over in the league, but getting to talk to some of these veterans, these guys, like he played 16 years in the league, these guys who I grew up watching and being able to hear from them. It's like you said, it was just gold. Like the dude lives the right way. He played the right way. He understood it. He's going to be in the hall of fame. He, he said he's going to build a, a field for the boys and girls club on, on Thursday. Like he just this is a quintessential, like good dude, great dude, best player in the NFL at his position for a long time. Not enough good things I could say about him, dude. That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Well, I'm grateful for him joining us just right when his season ended. That was the last Thursday night game of the week, mm-hmm. a week ago, but uh, let's end this with a little moment of gratitude. I'm grateful for a lot of things. Kyle, what are you grateful for right now? First day of the offseason. I am grateful for the offseason. What a tough year it was to be a Houston Texan. And I mean, the you see us out there on Sundays, you know, once a week for 18 weeks. But the 10 weeks of OTAs, the training camp, the long hours every day, you're basically in the facility every day from July 25th until the season's over for you. So as much as I love football, I am ready to get away from the game for a little. So grateful to be at offseason, at home with my parents right now, hanging out with my family. A lot of fun stuff coming up. What about you? Two days ago, you had the last day of your season, and two days ago, my season started. Yes, so sir. I train guys in the offseason, which means football ending is the end of my offseason. 
So I'm grateful for my season starting back up, man. So Monday I had my first day with guys. Today was the second day. Tomorrow's, you know, whatever. We have our meetings in the morning and go. So I got four really good draft guys. Will Levis from Kentucky, Clayton Toon from University of Houston, Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA, and Max Duggan from TCU. Be flying in later in the week. And I'm just grateful for the three months I get to pour into these young guys. They're going from sudden wealth. They're, 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 they're going from amateur to pro. There's sudden wealth and sudden fame. It's happening over a period of time. And uh, some guys shorter than others. A lot of life change. A lot of things they got to get better at. A lot of stuff they don't know that they need to know. And I love that I get to play that role. And just super grateful for it. Went talked about it. Kind of some roles I played in the past. And it all kind of led me to be able to do this. And a lot of people are trying to do for a living what I am able to do for a living. And I don't take that for granted. And super grateful for it. And I get to do ball and coach, but I still pick my kid up from school and drop him off every single morning. And I coach the football team and the basketball team and all this. You know, it's just, you can't do that. And if you're coaching in college or pro, you can't do that any of those times. You're not. You're doing the opposite. You're not. My buddies them. who coach in the league see their families on Fridays. That's it. That's it. The hours so, are ridiculous. And, and I'm I'm fully entrenched. So grateful for that. So we're two different sides of the spectrum. And we'll meet when you finally get out here to Cali. For those of you who are still watching, I mean, we're fired up. I mean, season two for us is going to be the off season. So we're putting together some interesting ideas. Mm -hmm. Kyle and I will be in the same place at the same time. Kyle lives five minutes, we live five minutes from each other. And so grateful for that too, man. If you're watching this right now, take a minute, just think about what you're grateful for. A lot of crazy shit going on in the world right now, but also a lot of things to be grateful for. So thank you very much. Episode 22. We'll be back again next week. We're going to roll all the way through the Super Bowl. And we're going to have a great guest. Fired up to talk with them next week. Until then, we'll see you.